Hi, I'm Ryan Lee from the Goosebumps movie, and you're listening to Deadcast. I'm Odea Rush, and you're listening to Deadcast. Hey guys, I'm Dylan Minette, and you're listening to Deadcast. I am Rob Letterman, and I am listening to Deadcast. I'm Deborah Forte, and I'm pleased to be with you to listen to Deadcast. I'm Danny Elfman, and you're listening to Deadcast. Here. The Goosebumps movie is here. The Goosebumps movie is in theaters right now. Listeners, I know that you know that your whole lives have led up to this moment. Because mine mine has. Daniel and I had the most incredible Goosebumps premiere weekend that two podcaster Goosebumps fans could possibly have. I, uh, I, you guys, I can't even, I can't. I can't even begin to explain, but we're gonna. But we're gonna. We are gonna give you blow by blow the behind the scenes of everything that happened. Everything. From the Goosebumps premiere weekend, including the press conference and all night Goosebumps sleepover at the silent movie theater in Los Angeles, talking to Jack Black on the red carpet, and of course, we're going to be reviewing the Goosebumps, Goosebumps movie. movie. And you heard it here first, there will be spoilers in this episode. We're not going to go exactly blow by blow through the movie telling you everything that happens, but we will be talking about some of the twists and some of the fun stuff that happens. So um, you might want to see the movie first before you listen to this. If you want to know some of those inside secrets, then you've been warned. Here we go. Welcome to Welcome to Deadcast. You already heard so many people Welcome you to you guys. We talked to Danny Elfman. What? I can't. I'll never get over that Um, for the rest of my life. You know, I was folding laundry the other day, crying, thinking about that. (laughs) You know, I haven't cried about it yet, but I know that I will. Oh, oh, I did. I almost. I cried cried. on the red carpet. I cried on the red carpet. I cried on the red carpet just a little bit. Yeah, when the giant. Do you remember? There was a moment when when Matthew and I were waiting on the red carpet. On the red carpet for the Goosebumps premiere. I cannot believe this is the real. The, the carpet was covered in leaves, by the way. Leaves. Uh, crunchy autumn leaves. Yep. Fuck you. And I was squeezing my finger so hard I thought I was going to snap in half because I was just so filled with everything. Well, let's get let's get to let's it. Let's get to so it. So we want to break it down to you guys, for you guys um, What? how... Too blessed to be stressed we were this what this weekend. Oh, oh my goodness, you Our guys. good friend Andrew Freund, who is um, uh, an entertainment reporter, mm-hmm. um, put us in touch with uh, the powers that be at Sony. And we were fortunate enough, as we told you, if, if you're constant listeners of this podcast, you know a couple... Oh, by the way, I'm Matthew Scott Montgomery, and this oh, is my brother and Daniel, Daniel, and you're Montgomery. listening to Deadcast. Yeah, and that's fine. Who cares? Let's get to the goose off That's movie. true. I don't care. I, I, don't, I certainly don't care. I don't care, care about I don't, me anymore. I don't care anymore at all. I'm supposed to be me, but I'm not. 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 
uh, probably three, we're recording this in October. You hopefully you're listening to this the week of October sixteenth, when two thousand fifteen, when the Goose Hunts movie is coming out. If hey. not, this is still some pretty cool shit you're about to hear. Yes, if not, then sit back, relax, and. We got to see uh, we got to see a, a sneak preview of the movie a couple Back in months July. ago. Yeah, it was unfinished with Rob Letterman at Sony. Yes, and here we, in Los it, Angeles, we, it, Rob Letterman is the director, and we got to speak with him before and after the movie, and just give him our some of our thoughts. And it was already an incredible experience. And we spoke with the. The, the PR people for the movie and they were like, oh, we would love to use you when it gets closer for the premiere. And I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we might forget by then or I'm not going to hold my breath because this is already too good to be true and I don't want to oh, get my hopes up of course. Any kind. There's, there's no way. There's no way. Well, fast forward to this past weekend and it all happened. It we all happened. We get an email from them and they have been were so lovely and so supportive and so sweet and so inclusive and we felt so and they're such so, big fans of the podcast it was and crazy out over it they're and like we want dead cast we need dead cast here it was it, it was nuts so uh, we, our weekend starts on a friday and our friday we get to go to um the goosebumps press conference held at the london hotel in west hollywood so cool so the first thing that we were able to do when we got to the press conference was they actually had us play the Goosebumps, I guess it's mobile game. Goosebumps, Night of Scares. Here's a little description about the game. Can you survive a night in Arlstein's house facing Goosebumps' most terrifying creations? Escape from Slappy the Dummy, Evil Gnomes, and more. Jack Black reprises his role as Arlstein to guide you through this living trap. The Goose Hunts Night of Scares mobile game also features the share your scare camera in Goose Hunts first ever VR mode. It was <laughs> so we it was played cute. it in VR mode. We had they, they they had like goggles or like a headset for us, so we would play like it was 360, like we're actually in a haunted house. It was fun. It was fun. You basically the game is you're running from monsters from the books that are chasing you through this kind of like haunted house and you have to find a hiding place and also find pages of Goosebumps books. Yeah, you like collect pages while you're there. You should get it. It's available as of October 15th for you to have on your phone and play. So then we went into the actual press conference, the Goosebumps press press conference and it was a small group of people. It It wasn't a lot of people. It was. I was surprised. I was surprised too. I I thought I've never been to a press conference before. I thought it would be a kind of thing where we, you and I would just kind of sit in the back, you know what I mean, and kind of observe. But But we got to ask questions. questions, which was really cool. And we got to speak with the cast and so we were sitting there and um before we know it slappy is out there like slappy is on the press conference table you guys i guess there was like a guy operating underneath the table or whatever you know the funny thing is i never really saw him no not really i think i saw him once but it all happened so quickly yeah not the press conference press conference was a good solid sweet 30 minutes yeah but but he was all of a sudden he was there and he was just sitting and waiting and blinking he's blinking and moving around and staring at all the reporters sexy and everyone the rob letterman the director was there uh, Slappy was there. Uh, Jack Black was there. Ryan um, Lee, Odea Ryan Lee, Rush, Dylan Minnette, and Odea Rush, the three actors in the film, the three young actors in the film, were all there. And you know, people just start asking questions and, and stuff. It, it was really, really cool and surreal, especially having Slappy the dummy. And if you follow Daniel or I on Instagram, um, I'm Matthew underscore Scott underscore Montgomery, and Daniel's Danny Mac seven six nine. We posted one killer moment on oh, the. Oh gosh, on, it's incredible. One of the reporters at, asked, you know, what what gives you goosebumps? And you know the cast was go- going down the line saying what gives you goosebumps, and it got to Slappy and. <laughs> what gives you goosebumps? What gives me goosebumps? Uh, termites. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, 
Uh, Daniel, I think you asked. I did. I asked, one of the questions that I, I asked was what what the plan was for the sequel. <laughs> what I thought was so cool was Rob remembered us yeah. from the screening, and he he introduced us to everybody, and he was like, "Hey guys, this is you know Deadcast or the Daniel Matthew from the the Goosebumps podcast," and I was like. Ee! I know we were absolutely totally geeking out, freaking just out, squeezing my my stupid little knees. I, I know, right? Um, but the, the most exciting part about the press conference, hands oh, down, to me, you guys, and to me too, was I was sit. We were sitting there, you know, asking questions to Slappy, and I turn around and. I, you know, I don't get starstruck very often, you guys. Uh-uh. It don't happen much. Mm-mm. But I turn around and I see Deborah Forte, who is, the, I'm sorry, <laughs> it is that exciting to Hands me. Hands down, out of everything that happened this weekend and the person we got to talk to, the, who we were most excited about was Deborah Forte. Deborah Forte, for those of you who don't know... Was was she basically was in charge of the TV show? Yeah, and she how was the I, producer for the TV executive producer so for the my, TV show. As you guys know, my favorite piece of entertainment I've ever watched in my entire life was the Haunted Mask on VHS. And when you start the Haunted Mask VHS, they, it starts with a little preview of a Night in Terror Tower, and there's an interview with Deborah Forte that we with have her, memorized. That we have it completely memorized, and so we know her face and we know her voice, and we we've always known her name, and she has an incredible resume and has worked on incredible things. But Daniel was like, "Oh my God, I think that's Deborah Forte." I turned around and so after the press conference we got to talk with the cast and sl- and take a picture with we took, Slappy we took like a selfie with Slappy that we posted online and that like was really the cool. cast and that was really really fun the cast is super cast sweet is awesome. and really friendly and really wonderful and all, all of the above and Stacy, our PR person comes over and says to us Deborah Forte would like to meet you and I immediately just evaporated yes i burst into stardust and i was sprinkled across the sky yeah and you know what we didn't end up getting to see the movie again. <laughs> because but we thank died you guys for listening thank you guys for listening we have deep trouble coming up next i'm just kidding it she oh she knew who we were she knew who we were i'm done i'm dead and she came up and was like oh i'm such a fan thank you guys for well, your support I wanna, I wanna, and we're like <laughs> i want to clarify why why she, why she knew who we are and why she came up to us and something that she said to us multiple times throughout the weekend, you know, was, you know, what we're doing here at Welcome to Deadcast is obviously a little bit of like 90s nostalgia. We abs- clearly, we love this more than anything on the more planet. More than anything, more than anything. And she was saying that, you know, with her hopes for the movie were that for them to get a young audience, but what was just as important if not more, was to get the those fanatics, those fans of the TV show and the book series that grew up with it. Us. Us and you guys, our listeners, you. making sure that we gave the stamp of approval to what they created and how important it was for all of us, all of you guys out there, that we as a collective sort of group support the movie. So she kept thanking us for our support of the movie. And I wanted to just eat her alive (laughs) and rip off her skin and wear it as a dress. I know. I wanted to kiss her in the mouth and steal her way into the night. It was surreal. She's sugary sweet. She's, oh, she's, you guys, we immediately launched into a conversation about the haunted mask. Like that's how the conversation started. She knows, she, she knows these books as well as we do. I know. That's what I was about to say. And I was like, of course she does. We had such, 
We had we had some I had, deep cut talks. We had some deep cut talks with her. And get this, you guys. You I'll guys. tell you this right now. You know, the question I asked at the press conference is, what about a sequel? Yeah. Like, what would we do about, what, what about a sequel? And nobody had a response because they were like, well, I guess we have to see if the movie does well. And my, my response was like, well, obviously it's going to do well. Yeah. You know, there's got to be a sequel. What's, what do you, because you shoved all the monsters and you guys will get to talk about the movie. In we, a, will. we will. We um, will. But you shoved all, 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 quote, all the monsters from the books into the movie. What do you do for a sequel? So I said, Deborah Forte. Like, oh, well, first of all, I asked her, I was like, all right, what was the deal? Like, what was the deal with creating the movie? And How, so she talked about she, Tim Burton she for broke, a while. She broke it down. She said Tim Burton was going to, they wanted Tim Burton to do it for a and while. And then you guys, Ooh. she told us that Joss Whedon was on board. And and she wanted Joss Whedon to do it. And she, Joss Whedon wanted to do it. And that the powers that be said no, because I think he was doing Firefly. She said he was doing some TV show at the time. I thought she meant Buffy, but... I don't know. I think, well, maybe it is. Maybe it was Buffy. And they didn't want a TV director doing the movie. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Can you imagine? Can you imagine Joss Whedon, you guys, doing the Goosebumps movie? Whoever thought that, yes, it was, it was Tim Burton for quite a while, but they couldn't get it to work. And so I was asking her, I said, hey, listen, and I, you guys have heard me say this, say this on the podcast before, why not take one of the books and make it a bigger story. Why not take Shocker and Shockshare one day at Harland and really, really, really expand it? And she yeah. was, you know, she was championing the idea of, uh, uh, of making the movie accessible by, by including every monster in, in the movie. And some, and that story really worked and seemed to resonate with the studio and everybody really liked that idea. And then we started to talk about, but she started to talk about the sequel. Yeah. And, and she said, well, what we would like to do for a sequel, what I would like to do for a sequel is obviously one of the camp movies. She's like, like Nightmare or Ghost Camp. She's like, or even, you know, a Jelly Jam. We may even do Jelly Jam. She's, but the thing with that is we've got to release it in the summer. It has so. to be timing for summer. So for this one sequel, worked out for Halloween. A sequel, we're thinking summertime. If you can get a slot in those slots are so We're hard thinking to get. Jelly Jam and I imploded. Yeah. I was like, never thought of that. Genius idea. Smart woman. And then we started talking about... Sensation. We talked about The Haunted Mask and why it's so good. And we talked about Catherine Long and Catherine Short, the actresses who are in that, why they didn't work more. And, and she, she was she was saying... She kind she, of implied she it intimated was a stage that, mom that, yeah, situation. Some, sometimes some of the actors, there was more of like a stage mom situation where the actors didn't really want to do it. But God, was, they're so good. She was saying how important it was to get good actors for that show and how the powers that be at the time were like, just use the same actors over and over again. And she's we, like, no, my fans will know. They'll know. We also talked about the music and how incredible we think the music is and she was giving credit to the guy that that um s scored the series and also came up with um the theme song and she was saying yeah what did she say originally the first cut of the haunted mask they they put in some temp music and that temp music was like Aria Carmen or, or, or something it was, like that. I, I wish I could remember. But she was saying how terrifying it was watching it. Well, with and, and she said, if you guys remember that the Haunted Mask was originally aired as a primetime you know, movie, basically. And I, we said, of course we remember. We talked about how we watched at our grandmother's house. We were at dinner and made our parents come home early so we could catch it. And before. she was saying how truly scary, you know, she felt like the episode really was with this heavy, ominous music and then the sort of filler music and then that they changed the music to be a little lighter and you know more it was so great it of was, course when we took pictures of deborah forte and i passed out and it was absolutely amazing now the next thing we got to do was try out the goosebumps virtual reality experience which is crazy it uh, is insane so there's 
a scene in the movie where now, our, I, I'll say this right now. We, we are going, we're going to talk about the movie. I know I already said that, but it would behoove you to see the movie before listening to this podcast. Yes. I'm so not a fan of people giving out spoilers, but because of the nature of this episode, it's inevitable that there will be some spoilers given out. Yes. So be forewarned. I say, well, see the movie first and then listen to this. I, I do as we're, well. You know, we're not going to go through every plot detail and, and on purpose try and spoil everything, but certain things will come up. Anyway, moving on. So that being said, there is a scene in the movie where a group of people are in a car being chased. Well, I think we can say that. <laughs> Arlsa and the kids. Arlsa and the kids are being chased by a praying mantis. It's in the trailer, too. And so this VR game, you guys... You like sit in this chair and you put on this helmet this and it's, it's 360. So you can see all around you. You can look anywhere. Chair. Jack Black is driving. Sorry. Arlstein is driving and you're being chased by a praying mantis through the town. And Jack Black is driving the car and you're sitting in the front passenger seat and he's talking to you and the chair moves and vibrates and moves up and down and moves all around. It is terrifying. It was so awesome. It was incredible. We have video footage of us doing it. It's screaming like banshees. Screaming, screaming, screaming. Is that thing where you have headphones on and jack black is yelling at you and it's that thing when you're like in a car and jack black is yelling at you, you know, and a praying mantis is like everybody it's big piercer is like smashing into the car and the car's flipping around you're driving through a town in the middle of the night and you can look all around you and the praying mantis is staring at you through the sunroof that it was thing. electrifying and utterly sensual yeah and so that was so funny because like you're you're in it to win it and then you take the headphones off and the, the eyes in- off and you realize the camera's on you and there's a room full of people dying laughing because you don't know what you were doing it was very sexy and i think it's it's able you are able to try it out in cinemark theaters certain specific locations this weekend if you're listening this is october 16th and 17th it's available in los angeles it's cinemark theaters cinemark theaters it is worth it it's so cool it was wild so then we We went rush off to went straight to there's a theater in los angeles the silent movie theater in fairfax cine family gorgeous and, and they were having a free screening of the goosebumps movie just anybody could come and we made it just in time we got there oh got beautiful and <laughs> i'm sorry i just like okay guys we're about to give you the real tea so like okay so we it's a packed house packed with, and i don't know what i was expecting from goosebumps fans but there are people like our age and older and not really children which i loved i love there are barely any children there and i was so happy and we we, we, we sit down and watch the movie in this theater right and the people, crowd went nuts howling clapping screeching screaming wild touching flying shrieking Ma- matthew crying matthew and i were sitting next to two mega fans yeah they were mega fans and they had similar reactions that Matthew and I had the first time we saw it and oh I was living for their reactions I was gagging for it and we were and after the movie was over then comes out our good friends Jack Black Dylan Minnette Odea Rush Ryan Lee Rob Letterman and they also oh excuse me I'm drinking my orange cream soda they Larry Larry Karajewski I think that's how you say his name sorry Larry 
uh, who wrote the story. He didn't write the screenplay, but he came up with the story idea for the movie. They came out and they did an, another little Q and A. And that Q and A was a it was a lot of fun. And you know the the press conference was cool, but it was a little more organized. And this one was more wild and fun because you were surrounded by die hard die hard fans. fans. Just ask them all the deep questions, and I will tell you what they. The cast and crew didn't have the answers to a lot of them. They didn't. They really, really didn't. Um, and Larry shared something really, really interesting. He said that, um, and we have some audio that I'm going to insert here throughout when I tell you people answering questions and stuff like that. But um, Larry was saying how originally in one of the drafts of the script, they didn't do Goosebumps. It was going to be a parody of Goosebumps called Ghost Bones. <laughs> hey, that sounds made up. I know that sounds like a lie, but that's legitimately what he said. Mm-hmm. We did one draft where we made it a, um, a fictional version, and it was very clear. It was actually kind of funny. It was called. Uh, they were called like Ghost Bones, and he had, he had he had a different name, and it was that kind of thing. But it was kind of like like the movie was a parody. Of the Goosebumps franchise. And it was, uh, which is, I found it so hard to believe. Some, uh, a quick little piece of trivia that I loved was, you know, uh, Rob Letterman was saying that there are little Easter eggs throughout the entire movie of Goosebumps references that I think mostly are fairly obvious. I'm sure. I think he thinks they're like deep cuts, but I thought they were pretty. The Clock of Doom in the basement. And seeing Carly Beth like running through a, for a second, like like we got you, Rob. We got we yeah. got it. We got it all. Yeah. And but one moment that I thought was really cool that he was saying was that, you know, the haunted car comes out and t- yes. takes Slappy for a ride. And you guys, the haunted car in is, the movie is the actual car from the horror movie, The Car. Now, okay. The Car is a grindhouse B-horror movie from the 70s that I have randomly seen at the New Beverly here I've in L.A., Quentin too. Tarantino's yes. movie theater. And if you, it, it would behave you guys to go just Google YouTube the trailer for the movie The You've Car. You've got to watch the trailer for it. Do it right it now. It is actually one of the most hilarious trailers I've ever seen in my entire life and gives me all the life that I never knew that I needed. Right. saying that it scared him really badly when he was younger that for some reason it scared him and they got the actual car to be the haunted car isn't that so cool so the haunted car which is goosebumps from the goosebumps 2000 series is the car that slappy drives in the movie and it's the actual car from the car i mean how cool is that that's really fucking cool i absolutely i'll tell you what's even cooler than that I, I I dare to say at the silent movie theater they were having get out. I know get out of get out of your apartment yeah at the patio behind the silent movie theater no. we'll, we'll get there well let's walk through it right oh let's walk through they had a say cheese and die a say cheese and die photo booth that was oh, set up back just there just covered in monster blood big old big fat feet from um, monster, monster blood, blood three walking through and a you could take your picture there in a chair. but not only that you guys. T 
Jacobus, Tim Jacobus, the guy who drew, who was the illustrator for all the Goosebumps books, was there, and there was a silent auction happening for original prints of his Goosebumps covers signed. There was an art gallery of prints from the covers blown up, one of a kind. There's only one. Oh, there was also glass cases filled, filled with, with Goosebumps, Goosebumps books. books, and it was just Jack Black. Uh, Rob Letterman and the cast walking around, walking Tim, around. Tim Jacobus signing things and and you could I, 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 I know I, we could barely speak we could barely speak and they're doing this auction where for the whole weekend where you could bid on one of the covers and I saw Night of Living Dummy that slappy and I said I've got to have it it's got to be mine and I saw Attack of the Jack-o'-lanterns and I said I got to have it it's got to be mine but we knew we'd be back the next night so we didn't put in a and bid and there were like bigger yet. prints and smaller prints the obvious Obviously, obviously, the one that I would want most of all is the Haunted Mask. But there was a big print of the Haunted Mask, and those started at $100. And it, and was, already, ones, it was already immediately hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So Dan and I were like, well, no. We'll check it out tomorrow. Kind we, of knowing we were going to be back there the next day. Yes. Yes. What was also kind of cool was that they had... They had some themed food, which I thought, like green popcorn. Yeah. Not as cool as the next night. You guys, let me tell you about this next night. So. So at the exact same spot, the silent movie theater, they had a Goosebumps television episode marathon sleepover. Lumber party. So Daniel and I, like, line up to, like, get in line just to, like. Wearing our pajamas. And if you got in pajamas, you got, like, you got. You got to go in earlier. Yeah. <laughs> and so it started at 10 o'clock and it went till 4 a.m. Oh, my goodness. And there were some real. It, it was packed. It was it was, it was sold out and packed, packed, which I thought was amazing. And we got and a chance to hand out some like flyers. We did. It was cool. And there's some fans there. Yes, some people that some had already listened fans. to the podcast, which was so cool. Um, so originally, this is so funny, you guys. Originally, what the night was supposed to be, <laughs> like, get this, you're gonna giggle. What it was supposed to be, it was gonna be R.L. Stein introducing scary movies, movies that scared him as when a kid, he- and there was gonna be a marathon of those movies that frightened him. Okay, but R.L. Stein is in New York doing press for the movie there, so he was not in L.A., so he was going to record um, intros to the movies, and it was going to be an all-night movie marathon of movies that scared R.L. Stein. Stein. And if you guys are familiar with his dry, dead Ben Stein kind of delivery, it's amazing. And I'll insert some of the clips of the audio of what the original intros were. But the people that ran the theater realized that when... The movies that Arl Stein chose that actually scared him were kind of duds. They decided to not do that and instead just have a Goosebumps TV episode marathon. And just air Goosebumps episodes all night long. But what they decided to do as well was still air the intros that Arl Stein <laughs> recorded. And you guys, the audience was dying. I'm gonna in- I'll insert some audio here. <laughs> with laughter there was one that i didn't get on tape of him saying like and now a movie that scared me as a child treasure island you know what I mean? he's like those pirates Whoa. <laughs> so funny not only was you know ghost rl stein giving you 
astral projected images of him introducing these movies that we never actually watched. But Tim Jacobus was back that night. And he get, did a little Q&A and did a slideshow of some of his best work. Now, I'm going to try to insert some of the audio here, but because of where we, the audio wasn't great because we weren't expecting that. We just recorded it with our iPhones from the seats where we were. But some of the real tea that he gave us was, that I thought was so interesting. It's fascinating. Endlessly fascinating. Well, originally, he and another artist whose name escapes me were both pitched the idea to it do doesn't the, matter. The, it the, doesn't matter. Yep. To illustrate Goosebumps books. And they were given Welcome to Dead House and Stay Out of the Basement. Now, if you remember the original Stay Out of the Basement cover, it is not the same kind of tone as the rest of the Goosebumps series because it's not Tim Jacobus. It's a sinewy green weedy hand holding a door. And then Welcome to Dead House is a house with a person in the window and it's kind of whatever. And they decided, Scholastic decided to go with Tim Jacobus because of his use of color Ooh. in Welcome to Dead House. Um, when Goosebumps started, I wasn't the very first choice for artists for the, uh, for the series. Me and another guy named Jim Thiessen both did the first two books. I brought up to Dead House. He did the second book, Stay Out of the Basement. And uh, guy was a very talented artist. Uh, what I was surprised at, that uh, I was picked, and what I was told is the reason I was picked to do the series further is the use of color. You notice that in all the Goosebumps books, they are just saturated with color. And they thought that that would be less frightening to the age group, to you guys. And when he would get, when he would illustrate the books, um, he book would covers. the book covers yes he wouldn't read them ahead of time because the books wouldn't have been done by then Arl Stein would give him the title of the book and a log line or a few pages if he had it which was very rare and that's all he would give him and he would just make up a cover based on that Arl Stein even said a couple times that he when he needed inspiration he would look at the cover that T. Jacobus had come up with in order to like further inspire him with the story he was currently writing. Books, you will notice that from time to time you will see feet. Every time you see feet, they will be wearing Converse, Chuck Taylor, Ipops. <laughs> now, when I first started doing this, the art directors thought this was pretty cool. Um, and they thought, oh yeah, that's great. That's just one more thing for you guys to look for in the book covers. But that's not the real story behind it. When I was in high school, these were the best sneakers you could buy. Wore them every day. Still have them on today. Think about them, though. You wear them long enough, they start to smell. And my mother used to always complain, you know, someday let's get rid of those stinking sneakers because someday you're going to have to get a job and wear a real pair of shoes. Well, that never happened. He also told a story about how he would try to use people that he knew or kids that he knew if he like designed after them to some covers that use a kid's faces. And it was his niece. I think it was his niece. There, he was like, do you want to be on the cover of a Goosebumps circuit? And she's like, sure, Uncle Jimmy. And so he's like, I'll have you on the cover of The Haunted Mask. But if you guys remember, The Haunted Mask is a girl wearing a pink shirt and, and denim overalls with a mask in front of her face. And you don't actually see her face. And he said his niece wouldn't talk to her for the longest time about that. Pause the Tim Jacoba story for a second. I know exactly what There was say. a girl, cosplay, 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 who was dressed as Carly Bath, you guys, wearing a denim jean short, short jumper with a pink shirt underneath it with the same half ponytail and that same uh, dish rag, dirty brown blonde hair. And a... 
papier mache mask. And she was carrying around. And we took pictures with her. And we got to take pictures with the Carly Beth that she was there. That's the kind of crowd we were with, you guys. So, so cool. Um, uh, some more T. Jacoba stuff he said. A night in Terror Tower he had to do in, in one, one day. day. He had one day to accomplish it. The other ones he said he took about a week, week to work yes. on. But because of some time crunch. And he had to deliver the prints in person to get them printed. In Manhattan. In Manhattan. He had to get that one done really, really fast. And he said, to this day, all his original prints exist in a warehouse somewhere, somewhere in Manhattan. Somewhere, but they don't. <laughs> the only other prints that exist were the ones that were being silently auctioned that night at the silent movie theater, which I thought was incredible. So you know what I did? I threw caution to the wind. And I said, I'm going to bet it all. I'm going to bid it all. So I bid actually the amount of money that was in my bank account. Mm-hmm. I did it. I did it. So that night, we watched 10 Goosebumps episodes. Can I say one more thing about Tim Jacobus? Please. Um, the Horror Camp Jelly Jam, he designed that after himself. That's the only one that he modeled himself. And he took a picture of him standing there like that and then drew against that. Hysterical. And one of his absolute favorites is Egg Monsters to Mars. That really captures his use of the fisheye lens when things are warped out of perspective to make things scarier and chose bright garish colors. Sexual. Sensual. So, you guys... You guys, first of all, this was the most erotic experience of my entire life. Was watching. Oh, easily. Well, we didn't know what episodes were going to be playing. They be didn't played. tell. They didn't tell you. You just. You just waited as it appeared. But on the I could have bet my life. I could have bet my life that they were going to play the haunted mask. It never. It never occurred to me that it wouldn't start with a haunted, ma- haunted so mask. So you guys, low hand behold, in a completely sold out audience on the big screen, we watched the haunted mask. And I've got to tell you, have you guys seen Scream Two? It was as wild as the opening of Scream Two. People were. Shri- Shrieking like banshees. There's a line where Carly Bess says, This is my night. Halloween is my night. And the audience shrieked and cheered. When she was brushing her hair in the mirror and she said, It's my turn now. He people, went, people stood up and went, Yeah! I've never felt more alive. I've never felt more like I belonged anywhere in my entire life. Besides a Lana Del Rey concert I went to one time and I felt like I belonged there. This I felt like I really, really belonged there with that crowded group of people. There's also people in their PJs. Some people dress up. There's also bunk, bunk beds. <laughs> Isn't that so cool? But the crowds went wild and shrieked and screeched for the Haunted Mask. Oh, gosh. So after the Haunted Mask, they played Go, Go Eat, Eat Worms. Worms. Then they played Say, Say Cheese and Die. Die. And then they played Piano, Piano Lessons Can't Be Murder. And then they played Stay Out of the basement. basement. And then they played Night, Night of the, the Living Dummy 2. And then they played Night, Night of the Living Dummy 3. And then they played The, the Girl Who Cried Monster. And then they played The, the Blob That Ate Everyone. And then they closed with It Came From Beneath the Sink. Oh, oh my goodness. Gosh. It was everything. It was so exciting because we didn't know what episode was coming up next. And it went till 4 a.m. So Dan and I would look at each other like, what do you think it's me? I was like, I, t- I was like, I bet they're going to play Say Chase and Die because Ryan Gosling is dead. I know they're going to play that one. I was so excited they played Go Eat Worms and Stay Out of the Basement. And I was so happy they did like a slappy suite where they played oh Night of Living Dummy 2, Night of Living Dummy it 3. It was so great. They took they would, t- they would play like three episodes at a time, take a little break, and they would hand out snacks. Like they handed out worms like with dirt and then they handed out like cake pizza eyeballs. Cake balls. Yeah, then pizza came at some point. And you guys, I thought like, oh, and these two cute guys Guys were on a date sitting oh, next to us. And the were, cutest guys were and on they a were dressed date. as sharks and they, they were holding hands. And one guy was really scared the whole time. Oh, it was so cute. Oh, bo- so I think romantic. both their names were Sam, I think. Is I that think right? So Sam I am. It was just like the best night. It was so cute. And I thought it would be like sold out and crazy and everyone would leave at midnight, but nope. People stayed. A huge chunk of people stayed until 4 a.m. And then we walked outside, it was raining. Oh, oh. 
It was God. everything, you guys. It was the absolute best. And I went back and I bid on Attack of the Jack-O-Lanterns, but there were some rules. I don't really get how silent auctions work, but there were rules you're supposed to go up in chunks of 25 excuse me, $25. So I bid a fair amount of money on it, but someone else went up by like $5 or like a dollar or something like that. And I was like, they're cheating. <laughs> but it was just me and another person. And I guess obviously I didn't win it because I didn't get it. But damn, I, I bid I bid my life savings, and you know they said at the end of the night they would announce who the winners were, but they didn't do that. I think because some of the people who ran it were kind of drunk at that point, and it was it was really, really late. late. Well, the next night I get a text from the woman that's running or man who's running the event, and they said somebody is outbid you, and I thought, well, that's it. Yeah, you know. Uh, that was it. And they said, would you like to, you know, bid more? And I thought, no, I can't. Of course I do. Yeah. So I bid, I bid more, even have you more. Got it oh, oh, have I gotten it? You yet? got it? Have you seen my Instagram? No. It's in my bedroom staring at me right now. Oh, I'm so jealous. I, I wish won, I got you it. Guys. Jack I won it. I got it. It's Maybe one mine. day when I have a lot of money, we can figure out a way to get the haunted mask and attack the giant. I don't have any more money. Yeah, I, I have no money. So and you it guys, was worth it. Give it to me. I'm worth it. We got done at four in the morning, and we had to be on the red carpet for the Goosebumps premiere at, at 10, 10 a.m. in Westwood. So we got all gussied up. I put on my best slappy outfit. I had a Goosebumps hat that I could not find. I still can't find to this day, but it's okay. Um, we got to the red carpet, and um, so they asked us if we would like to. To cover the red carpet like reporters. And we were like, um, yeah. I will say that I'm very, very bad at it, and it intimidates me, and it's my worst nightmare and my least favorite I job. I didn't know that. Yes, and interviewing people is like, I do not like it at well, all. What was great about this experience, I felt like, was I can, I can identify with that some. However, the people that we spoke to, for the most part, and the and what we were speaking about, we were both so passionate about yeah. that. At points, I forgot that we were like recording this yeah. for some reason. It was I just wanted. You to did a really good job. Them. Daniel's really good at oh, it. Daniel's really you. good at everything. I was I was going thank back and you. I was listening to some of the recordings. I will not be broadcasting because they're so embarrassing. Because I just like start mumbling and talking and like it's really bad. But um, obviously, if I was ever gonna, I that hopefully that's the last time I'll ever do that. In my entire life being a reporter on a red carpet, but. Um, Obviously, for this, this is the only time I would want to do it and would reach and scratch and claw to do it. Matthew, it was really why don't you tell them what the premiere looked and felt like? Okay, so when you got there, it was a Sunday morning, and it was a stormy Sunday morning because it had been raining. It was a blustery morning. Is there and any better kind? No, and there was there were leaves. The carpet was leaves, you guys. The carpet was brown like it was dirt. You couldn't were, walk nowhere without crunching those dirty leaves. Yeah, there was dirty, crunchy leaves, and there was like this... It screamed autumnal bliss. And there was a fun house that Slappy was sitting in front of. <laughs> so Slappy was out there, you guys. Animatronic Slappy, and he was doing interviews and yelling, catcalling at people. There were a bunch of kids there or something. I don't know. Yeah, but there were like a lot of kids in like a... I don't know. They and they were handing out Goosebumps t-shirts, and I wanted one so bad. I know. I really wanted a Goosebumps t-shirt. It's like I hadn't gotten enough that weekend you know yeah and so we just like took selfies with slappy and we were just and they were playing you know as you do they're playing the music and danny elfman's music our good friend danny elfman oh you guys the music that's one thing about this movie you guys is 
Danny Elfman does the music. Do we electric. even need to say anything else? No, we don't. Sensual music? Electric. It's really everything. I mean, who do you want to Life-affirming, yeah. groundbreaking. Yes. Another thing that was life-affirming and groundbreaking was, so the carpet, you know, we were all set up there. We're standing, like, next to Us Weekly in, like, Brazil News or something. And, Come to Brazil. And Retreat for Brazil. And then all of a sudden, like, some announcement starts, and all these monsters start coming on the carpet. And they're like, first started, we have— That's when I started to tear up a little this bit. This is when I started crying. They're like, first, now let me say something. There are, Let's say this right now. There's a ton of monsters in the movie. Um, are all of them um, true to the books? No. no. No, they're not. Just Are some of them in the books at all? No. Do I know some of these monsters? No, I've, ne- I've never seen them. So the, just, that, just go into that, that being said. Having seen the movie twice now and having time to get used to it, mm-hmm. the first time I saw it was a little bit jarring, and now I forgive all. You know what I mean? I, I, for, I forgive all. I'll say this right now. I forgive all because I had the thought Sunday morning when I woke up because I think we've sort of hinted at and commented in, in the past about the movie. You know, there are some monsters that we wish had been there that aren't there. Right. And other ones that are featured that we don't really know or don't really like very much. Yeah. Then there are some that we absolutely love. And the gnomes, I think, are a dream. Yeah. Long like, such dream. a blast. But any sort of feelings that I had about, like, <laughs> about that in particular, I woke up Sunday morning thinking... You're going to the Goosebumps premiere right now. This is your wildest, wickedest dreams. And speaking with Deborah Forte and watching some stuff in the TV show that's not accurate to the books either, and how much I desperately need and love the TV show, I thought if I were eight years old, nine years old, and the Goosebumps would be out right now and I went to go see it, I would take it as canon, as fact, as perfection, and I would love it. I would just be so blessed and honored and so excited to see Goosebumps on a big screen, and I was like, why do you have any sort of negative feelings anywhere about this movie? Yeah, Like, totally. let it go, live your dreams, have a blast. And this that's exactly great. what we did. So the Executioner came out, this dude with, which was kind of frightening, Executioner came out, Murder the Clown came out. I don't know who that is, but he did a great job. Um, there was a zombie girl with a side ponytail who was who was giving she, me all the afterlife was, I needed. She was acting like a dead girl on a red carpet. Like, was, posing like she, she was hysterical. It was so funny. The Bob monster came out which i think they think is supposed to be the mud monster from you can't scare me i don't know unless it's there's some monsters that in the movie that are from the um give yourself goosebumps series which i'm not that i'm not well that versed on that either. those books would frustrate me because i would want to read the entire book i i didn't want to you know i read the entire thing um but the one that was most exciting to me to come out was this tall jack-o'-lantern dude, which oh, I think is supposed to be so from Attack tall. of the Jack-o'-lanterns. He was super, super tall, dude on stilts. stilts. Oh, and the Scarecrow. They both were the so scarecrow. tall. So the Scarecrow sexy. is really frightening. And just having that pumpkin... You guys, it's a stormy afternoon. Leaves are are spinning across this carpet and there's a giant Danny Elfman music Danny playing. Elfman there's a giant playing. pumpkin with huge claws tickling kids' heads. And like touching their heads and that's when I started crying. That's when I started crying. Oh, I'm done. Then before we knew it, the the carpet was just getting started and uh Stacy, our you know, our lovely PR person, she came over to us and she said, Um, Deborah would like to talk to you guys again on the carpet day. Would you want to interview her? And we were like, and, uh, and I said, Stacy, uh, do, yeah. do you mean to slap your smart ass now? And then another publicist came over and was like, would you like guys like to talk to Danny Elfman? And we're like, um. I just immediately threw up on their shoes. Yeah, immediately. Projectile vomited on her shoes. She took that as a yes. Yeah, she took it as a yes. We had the gift of talking to Bill Bannerman, who is the executive producer of the film, Darren Lemke, 
Who wrote, wrote the, the screen? He wrote the screenplay. He wrote it. Rob Letterman, our good friend, the director. director. Odea Rush, Dylan Minnette, who plays Hannah, and Dylan Minnette, who plays Zach Ryan Lee, who plays Champ. Champ. Danny Elfman, Nuff said. Um, and of course, De- our girl, Deborah Forte, and Jack Black as Arl Stein on the red carpet. So we were thinking about what are we gonna oh, what are we gonna ask? I, I, yeah, I, I was like, like what do we ask Danny Elfman? So what I wanted to ask a lot of the cast was who is their favorite monster and what was it like to work with the monsters? You know, and I assumed everybody would say Slappy, but not everybody did, as you guys will hear as we play some of these clips. And I wanted to, I, I just froze in front of Danny Elfman. I didn't know what to say. Yeah, I didn't either. I, I, I was just like, I wanted to say, you don't understand how many nights I've cried to Edward Scissorhands. Like, I just can't even, I can't even, I, I said, I think I said to him that when I knew that he was doing the music for this movie, it like elevated this movie to yeah, a level. Yeah, we did say like, that. It, it, it just, he was so sweet and so nice and it was so quick, of course. Yeah, these are the few words that he had to say. Well, I mean, I knew the TV show. I haven't read all the books, but I, I was just aware of it, you know, for a long time and uh, through the kids is my 10 year old Oliver hi there what's up buddy and so uh, I just knew that it was going to be a lot of fun to work on and I'll take them I'll take them to the bank oh my gosh I'll take it for the rest of my whole life it was fun talking to we talked to the three kids in the movie Um, yes Odea Rush was great and um, should we say the thing about should we say I want to say it. I want to say it. So if you well, have... We could say it later. There's a twist with Odea Rush's character that we'll talk about in a little bit. I think as soon as you say twist with Odea Rush's character, it's too late now. Oh, okay. It's that thing. It's that thing where people are like, I don't want to give you a spoiler, but something bad happens. That drives me crazy. Okay, then let's... let's. So if... Too late now. Okay. So m- one of my favorite moments of the movie, I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right now. Spoiler. Okay. I'm doing it. I got chills and tears formed in my eyes. stung my eyes. When you find out that Odea Rush, who plays Hannah, the girl next door, is actually the ghost next door. And she's not alive. Oh, genius. So I wanted to ask her about that. Yeah, I I wanted to be like... You know, because she give us the she, tea. Like, give she us the admittedly tea. had doesn't know a lot about the books, and she said she had two twin brothers who two two redundant twin brothers who read um, who read the books, but she didn't read them, and she didn't. They know were actually about there. Them. They the, were there, and they're dressed up, and it was really cool. Um, there were a lot of little kids dressed up, which I thought was cool too. Yeah, and I asked, um, and they had the Goosebumps virtual reality game there playing too. You could like play it on the red carpet. Yeah. It was nuts. Um, I wanted to ask her, and I did ask her. I said, like, when you had the appointment, the audition for the movie, did you did you have the script and know that she was dead? And she handled the question ghost? really well and realized. And she goes, "What, what are, are you, you talking, talking about? about?" I don't. I'm not really sure what you guys are talking about. Oh, okay. Oh, you must be confused. You know what I mean? She's like, you must be thinking about the Ghostbusters remake. Yeah, she's so insanely gorgeous. Yeah, yes. she's beautiful. It was really fun. She's talking. chill. The one, who I really wanted to speak to in the cast is Dylan Minnette because he is such. He plays the lead guy, Zach. Now He's this is such an example sh- of me being a bad reporter when I went back and listened to this because now it's you- just us having a conversation. You know what I mean? Well, that was the thing where we re- I realized I, I didn't. We could throw the cameras and everything away. I just wanted to just talk with Same. him. Yeah, you're right. Because he's such a huge Goosens fan. I think he's as big of a fan as we are. Yeah. As big of fans, as big of a fan as you or I are. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what Dylan had to say. Well, right. Well, Night of the Living Dummy is pretty classic. But Say Cheese and Die is my favorite because it's not focused on a monster. It's, it's, uh, I love the story. That could have made a great movie. I also like 
I have some ideas. Like I, I, I hope that the sequel talk could come up so I could sit down and be like, all right, guys, I'm a fan. I'm going to talk to the Goosebumps podcast and get their sure. ideas, too. And we're happy to be creative yeah. consultants. Yeah, for sure. Which one's your favorite one to work with in the movie? Which monster is your favorite? Well, Slappy is pretty surreal to work with. A yeah. Slappy doll, you know? Yeah. Uh, also, the bog monster looks really cool. The big bog monster. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and they all, I mean, Murder the Clown's very creepy, too. There's some that in this story are hard to put in there. Right. That's why I feel like if there was a sequel, it'd be cool to, to do something different than just the monsters coming out of the books because you could delve more into stories and, like, of the books yeah. and then you could go into like stay out of the basement and monster blood and that kind of say cheese and die go more into the stories yeah. of goosebumps yeah. uh, that was kind of my idea for the sequel if there was one you know like maybe go inside the books or something yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know but um, so maybe the ones that are more based on story and not really that aren't obvious like monsters uh, I think are would be a cool idea and we talk, we talk with Bill Bannerman, who's the executive producer. And he just kind of launched into it. He was kind of fun. We shot in this little town called Madison in Georgia. Yeah. Beautiful town, picturesque. People there were wonderful. They welcomed us with open arms. They let us tear up their street, as you remember. Yeah, yeah, of course. The blast and, of course, the Mantis chase. I flew a helicopter over that, that city for three days or two days. 300 feet, 100 feet, doing all kinds of things that we needed to do to get the various effect shots. They let us come in and do that. I mean, they work hard. But now, let's take all that to L.A. or New York. Six Manhattan. Six Manhattan. Manhattan. You know, why not? Sure. Jason did it. Why not? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. I like that the... he. I like that he and the other sort of adults, I feel like, were are passionate about Goosebumps. Yeah, especially Darren Lemke, who wrote it. He was a lot of fun to talk he to. He was so quirky and sweet and fun and just had so much, so much to say. He was. We were talking about which monsters he wanted to use. And, and, and um, he, he, it was important to him for the first monster that you kind of see in the movie is a dumb one, I think he said. That one that is like an animal on the loose. And so they chose the abominable snowman Ooh, of Pasadena. Do, do we have, do, you, do we record him saying the thing about the werewolves. Um, yeah. What's your favorite Goosebumps book? Book? Ghost Next Door. Great it's just knowledge. a good, genuinely scary, yeah. character-based, you know what yeah. I mean? Seriously. You know, I- I'm a big Slappy fan. He's the mastermind. He come up, clearly. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, he's really, really great. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, uh, Abominable Snowman, you know what, only because it's, you know, we had to figure the first monster come out, and I'm like, it's got to be Abominable, because it's kind of yeah. like an animal loose, like the pet got out, yeah. so I didn't want it to be too smart. I wanted it to be like yeah. running around sure. animals. Yeah. yeah. Were, were there any monsters that you uh, had to cut because of like uh, budget reasons or well, you know what in the first draft I mean I every guy had a line it was one of those deals yeah. like it was like we got to choose who we're going to actually sure. focus on here so like yeah, I get it like yeah. you know, there's a scene with the werewolf in my draft the script there were every werewolf Stein ever created was in the supermarket so there was like four of them and that's like that's Fever Swamp like oh, that's not Fever Swamp that. so kid. it was all of that so oh, it was like wow. one werewolf lucky we were so excited and then you know last but never least oh well i was gonna just jump into deborah forte let's jump into deborah forte you're kidding she she kissed she kisses on the cheeks she kisses on the cheeks i'm never washing this cheek what a queen i know the queen if somebody oh, if somebody ever fucks with her you fuck with deborah forte you fuck with me you fuck with dead girl i'll i'll hurt them fuck you we asked her 
I'll just play. Uh, here's the clip. How does it feel to this finally happening after it all this? It feels fantastic. It's just like all the stars aligned with this movie. Jack and Rob and the kids and a fabulous crew and a great story to tell that the Goosebumps fans are going to love. So we're really thrilled. We wanted to ask if there's any other, any other of those episodes that stick out as being special to you. Cuckoo Clock of Doom yeah. and Werewolf of Fever Swamp, which is the scariest. It really is the scariest. I'm so glad you said that one is genuinely so horrifying. It's really scary. Yeah. The dead. Queen. The Queen. Dead. Deceased. And what's so funny, Jack Black on the carpet was, was dressed as R.L. Stein so, from the movie, basically. If you didn't know, I think everyone should know by now, but I guess... Um, Hannah's seen, a ghost and... and <laughs> And Jack Black is playing Arl Stein. Yeah, there you go. Um, but he was in character, and it was so funny. And he he was taking questions, but he was just kind of just just talking as Arl Stein, and it was so funny. Here's it was. A, it was very funny. Here's what he had to say. Arl Stein, right? Yes, I am Arl Stein, author of the Goosebumps books series. This movie stays so true to the original spirit of my books. I couldn't be more proud. I mean, come on, man, alive! A Neil Moritz production of a Rob Letterman film starring the illustrious Jack Black. Incredible. Truly the greatest actor of our time. Matt Damon, eat a sour egg. Jack Black is here to stay. The film, my God, it's so funny, scary, and just the right amounts, thrilling. The acting is superb, not just Jack Black. Those kids, Dylan Minnette, Odea Rush, Ryan Lee, fantastic performances, a love story. I really got emotionally involved in the characters. I may have shed a tear. You'll never know. I'll never tell. Hilarious. Everyone was so sweet, so nice. It was so cool and so surreal, but also like so kind of normal and like this is where we should be talking to these people right now yeah Do you know I, what I mean? i'm so glad i can't i can't imagine a world where we weren't there for I that i know i i know i feel like a dirty crime yeah dirty crime so um <laughs> let's talk about the movie let's talk about the movie you've only waited 45 now, minutes now my favorite thing about the movie is the opening and closing credits. Oh, <laughs> God. Um, that, we could just talk about the closing credits for a whole episode. The closing credits are the greatest thing that's ever happened. And, it's, and as Rob Letterman told us, it's a love letter to real Goosebumps fans. So it, not like you guys wouldn't stick around, but make sure you don't miss the credits when you see it. or When you, you see it again. When you see it again, because we hope you've already seen it now. I'm seeing it again. I can't wait to see it again. I really can't wait. So one of the things... You should go. Alberta wants to go this weekend. I'm obviously going. Yeah, yeah. What am I thinking? Come on. Yeah. So, one thing that that um, Rob Letterman was saying, and Larry, Larry Karajewski was saying that they wanted to structure the movie uh, like a Goosebumps book, which I thought was smart. About you know, when a Goosebumps book goes like this, kid has a problem. Or they said moves into a new town. That happens sometimes at Goosebumps. But almost always, it's kid has some sort of problem. Mm-hmm. Parents don't believe him. And then, you know, things sort of ramp up. He faces that problem. Big twist. Yes. 
That's basically it. Yeah. And the tone of this movie isn't necessarily the tone that I associate with Goosebumps books or the television show. I agree. They want it. If you notice, the advertisements are all blue and gold instead of like, I don't know, green like it always has been or should have been. Green and black or green and purple. And I think the purpose of that is to make it more, quote, family friendly or something like that. And they wanted to go, and this phrase was used a lot, like Amblin-esque, like kind of like uh, fantastical Jumanji kind of movie, um, which has a lot more heart and like emotion and sentimentality than Goosebumps books naturally do. Well, a, lo- a-, a question that was asked a lot in the press conference and sort of the Q and A's that we got to see uh, the- was wh- what was Arl Stein's contribution to the movie and what did he have to say or think about the movie? Well, we met him before we started filming, so you know we asked him for his his uh, notes on the script and his blessing. And- he loved the script, and he didn't mind that I was doing, uh, you know, a much different characterization of, of him. Uh, he's got a great sense of humor, so he was fine with it that I was portraying him as this antisocial. And everybody was so complimentary of him and saying how sweet and supportive and chill he was. He loved the idea. And the only thing he said was, don't, you know, honor my fan base and don't make it too scary for little kids. Yeah. He said, you know, what what I do is try and scare them a little bit, you know, keep some humor in there, but scare them, you know, give them a little shiver. That but. was frustrating for me the first time I saw the movie because I always want everything to be scarier. And as a kid, I always wanted it to be scary and handle things like that. But seeing it the second time in a packed house, I was like, I don't know. Some of this stuff actually is pretty scary. It is. There's some scary So let's moments. talk about the actual movie and what the actual movie is about. It's what you've been waiting for. All this time. So, uh... <laughs> it's Halloween. He's a big teddy bear. Not friendly. Come on, scaredy cat. The invisible boy. What was that? Oh. He's such a crack out. The gnomes. Ah! Oh, save you. The snowman. Blob. Ah! The mantis. The poodle. Oh, hello, cutie. Goosebumps. Sweet peachy. So, well, first of all, it's it starts off with, I just, I just need to say this again. Say I, it. The Danny Elfman music. The opening credits give me the big spine tingle. Give me the big yes. And it was like, it. that's how I felt about it because it's like this big sweeping overhead shot of this car driving. And then you see, I don't know, the word goosebumps on screen. And And the audience goes wild. Oh my gosh, you know what you pointed out, Daniel, the first time that we saw it? It, I hope this is true, and let's just say this is what it looks like. So when the Goosebumps books came out in the early 90s, if you look at the side of the book when it says Goosebumps, it's kind of this generic font that is in all caps. But as the books keep going, the side of the books change that classic drippy monster blood Goosebumps mm-hmm. thing, right? And let's just say that this is true. But in the opening credits, it... It starts off with a basic old font. Yeah, it says, it shows the basic old font, and then it warps into the melty... Uh, Monster Blood Goosebumps logo oh, title. It was so life affirming. It was so satisfying. It was really exciting. It was sensual. I think I probably used that word eight times now. That's okay. Uh, you just bought the soundtrack, didn't you? I did. Woo! 
So I want to listen to it everywhere so I let's go. Let's talk about what happens. Quickly. So Zach is a teenager who's a little bit older than your typical Goosebumps protagonist. Usually, our Goosebumps protagonist is eleven or twelve, but he is a teenager in high school, um, which is you know more like a Fear Street age kind of thing. But he and his mother are moving to a new town, as you do in sometimes Goosebumps books. His mother is becoming the new vice principal of the local high school in Madison. In Madison, and what um, a great name for a town. Yeah, I was hoping for like a Shady Lakes or a Shady Falls or something, but. Uh, this movie does take place in quote the real world and not necessarily inside a Goosebumps book because in the canon of this world or whatever uh, Goosebumps books are a thing that exists so yeah it's the real world Um, and and Zach's dad um, has recently passed away Um, and so they're getting a fresh star in a new town yes so um, Zach immediately sort of notices the girl next door her name is Hannah, and she is sassy, and she is. She's got she's got some she's, got some, she's got some spice. She's got some salt. Imme- immediately likable. There's a charming scene with Zach has a, a bedazzled hat that he got from his kooky aunt, played, played by, by Jillian Bell. Bell. She's amazing. And she is very genuinely. I'd say funny. the acting is really really good, and this movie is a laugh out loud movie. Like I, I literally laughed out, laughed out, and out loud. I rarely laugh. Yeah, out that's loud. true. It genuinely was really funny. Mm-hmm. There's that charming scene where he's wearing this. Bedazzled hat. They, you know, they start seeing each other when he's taking out the trash, and she uh, eventually leads him to a secret spot in the woods where there, you know, is a magical kind of abandoned Ferris wheel funhousey thing in the middle of the woods. I love. I thought that had so much potential. Yeah, and I think it almost reached its potential. It's really, really charming. And but the mystery with Hannah next door is she her. Uh, there's kind of an angry, ambiguous, shadowy dad. Potentially like abusive father. Yeah, who like lives with her. And when Zach goes to school, he expects to see her, and but she's not there. But he does meet um, this guy, Champ. Champ, who, classic Goosebumps name right there. Love that. I thought they, they did a good job of updating sort of the wisecracking, sort of silly, kooky best friend yeah. to like a 2015 where he had like a... He, he had a business card that was like Instagrammy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was cute. I, um, Zach uh, thinks he sees something in the window next door. Like Hannah's like being potentially, this is kind of weird, but like abused. He hears her screaming and sees a shadow of her like going, no. And so he freaks out, goes to tell his mom and she's like, who's Hannah or whatever. And he's like, no, Hannah's in danger. So they call the cops and the cops come over to the house next door and, uh, Jack Black uh, answers the door, and Jack Black is playing Mr. Shivers. Um, and we've seen him b- previously in the movie. He yeah. just sta- basically says, stay away from my daughter a couple yeah. times. Yeah. He's very um, evil. So yeah. He seems like he's not evil. He seems um, like a crotchety, crotchety old man, like stay yeah, off my much. lawn kind of thing. And so the bumbling cops in town who are actually hilarious Actually as well, genuinely, genuinely very funny. funny. Go they, over there. They search the house, and there's no Hannah. There's no Hannah in the house. And Mr. Shivers says that she's off she, with his with her mother. Yeah, yeah, and like left town or whatever. And but so Zach is not convinced. So he's suspicious of it. So the night and rightfully of the- so. There's a really funny moment where they're going into the house and then you see this girl screaming and running down <laughs> yeah. the hallway and then it turns out it's just a TV, a widescreen TV that Mr. Shivers has, and it's like, is it a crime to have surround sound? Oh my god, that is so funny, I forgot about I that. I love that. I can't moment. wait to see this movie again. Me too! Um, and so, the night of the, I don't know, the Halloween dance? Yeah, you heard me. There's a Halloween's dance. Get excited. Um, while 
uh, vice principal mom is chaperoning at the school. Zach is home alone. Well, not home alone. Zach is home without a date. Um, but his kooky aunt aunt uh, is bedazzling. And so he's at home with her. And so he decides he's going to break into the Shivers' house to go look for Hannah. With the he, help of Champ. He, he calls the he calls Mr. Shivers, pretending to be the cop, saying you have to come down to the station to like make a statement or something. So the house is empty and so he invites champ under the guise of like you know We're getting him go some the, ladies some girls to the for the dance but secretly it's a ploy to get into the house champ's really really scared and that's really really fun to watch him being scared and they sneak into the shivers house through, through the, ba- the basement stay out of the basement and there is a cuckoo, cuckoo clock, clock of doom in the basement and there's also open bear traps all over the floor of the basement it's so like what's going on here this dark so they sneak house. inside the house kind of a creepy house there's kind of a lot of fun easter eggs things in the house and they go upstairs to like a study and they see books 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 and they're all locked and And champ sees that they're the title of goosebumps books he's like go eat worms what's going on here and he's like arl stein whatever happened to that guy he disappeared yeah there's some throwaway lines about yeah he just he disappeared whatever and And they're like why are the books locked so of course they like unlock a book well no and then hannah appears yeah i think doesn't she appear after they open a book Yes, that's true. Um, so they open up. The one they open up is the Abominable Snowman of Pasadena. And there's some kind of... The, the special effects are pretty good. And there's kind of some swirly, uh, gloopy CGI of when, like, the book pops open and, like, the letters become alive in this kind of ink yeah, that swirls I, around. I, I was ready. I was bracing. I was like, this is going to be some bad CGI. But it was pretty good. Yeah. And so before you know it, an Abominable Snowman is... Like, is is in the room with them mm-hmm. and their champ screams and Hannah comes out and she's like, Oh no, what'd you guys do? And like, Oh no, we have to get him. So Hannah runs after the Obama snowman who breaks out of the house, like destroying part of the house. And she chases after him with the book. That's the Obama snowman. And the kid, uh, um, Zach and champ go to chase after Hannah to go chase after the Obama snowman. But in, in the meantime, one book, isn't it what slips off yes. and is unlocked and pops open and it's Night of the Living Dummy. It is our super our super villain, our favorite, Slappy, Slappy the Dummy. And the movie kind of treats you like you know all the books already and you've read the books and you know who Slappy is. I liked that. There's not really much of an introduction. One thing I wasn't too nuts about, I think we talked about it a little bit, was Slappy being voiced by RL, I mean by by Jack Black and that kind of thing. Yes. I like, think it, it, it's kind of funny how they established like um you know, Mr. Shivers is, of course, R.L. Stein, um, pretending. Which is later revealed. Obvious. I mean, we know this. And he and Slappy are arch enemies, and he calls him Papa, which I think is kind of fun. I think, yeah, I think it's. Kind and so of then cute. we kind of have a Jumanji-esque chase where we try to. Well, Slappy unlocks all the books, basically. Yes, while while the kids are chasing um, the Obama Snowman, which is kind of a terrifying over-the-top sequence in an ice skating rink, and Arl Stein, Jack Black, ends up saving them by, at the last moment, sucking him back into the book. But unbeknownst to them, Slappy has opened all of the books, unleashing well, Yeah, Arl well, Stein's they make monsters. it back to the house first, remember? Yeah. And then Slappy confronts them at the house. Oh, that's right. And Slappy takes the books and starts burning them. Yes. He drives off in the haunted car and <laughs> starts burning the books, so that means that... You know, the idea is we have to get the monster back in the book. You have to get be in close proximity to the monster and open the book so they get sucked back in. Right. Which is fun. And now and he's like, well, if you burn the books, you can't, you know, yeah. get them back in the books. And the first, the so he drives off. 
throwing books throughout the throughout the town. We see it in sort of an amazing remind me of Nightmare Before Christmas when you see it's that it is like Jack dropping off presents in houses and people start screaming. Ah. You start seeing books explode open in in storefronts and bright swirling lights pop out all over town. And the first monsters that they they encounter they being champ hannah zach and now we know is rl stein are the lawn gnomes which i've i've kind of nothinged those books yeah i, I have no feelings um, about the lawn gnomes in and general. one thing i meant to say earlier that i forgot to say that um when t jacobus was talking to the audience um one of the questions that was oh, asked yes. was did you ever get any notes from Scholastic or ever have to change anything? And he said the only time he has ever had to change anything on the cover of a book was when he did Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes. And one of the gnomes, the one on the left of the cover, if you're familiar with it, is kind of just smarmy, ugly-looking gnome staring at you with, like, a pink flamingo and, like, a little fountain-y thing. And he kind of had like his finger on his face. He has like a finger on his, his face. But originally, he had his finger up his nose. And Scholastic did not like that. And so he had to, like, kind of fudge it and make just push the finger aside in the, you know, whatever painting. I loved the version of the gnomes in the movie. I did. I love them so much. They're they were hilarious. Pro- they were probably, probably besides Slappy, I think Slappy's a given. I think they were my favorite. The, I, I agree with you. They were, they were so much The ceramic fun. clinks that they make and the, the expressions on their faces and just them like giggling and running around is so satisfying Genius. and fun. So the rest of the movie is just chasing after these monsters, but we find out that the way to defeat them is... T- for R.L. Stein to write another story. He, he says, well, he, what I kind of liked is, you know, in Goosebumps books, they have some ridiculous explanation for why things are taking place. Yeah. And R.L. Stein gives this ridiculous ex- explanation about <laughs> when he was a kid, he when was, he, was he had allergies. So he always, he would always type stories alone in his house and this, and the stories became real and he had this power and not only the, was the power his, it was this magic typewriter basically, mm-hmm. which during a Q and a, somebody was like, like the blob they did everyone. Yeah. <laughs> which I love to ever ask that question. And so they realize, Oh, they have to get the typewriter. So R.L. Stein can write the book at the school and where the, the Halloween dances. Yes. The typewriters in the school in a glass case. Uh, where the Halloween dances, and they end up being chased by monsters all the way through. At one point, Arlstein's fingers get broken by Slappy. Yeah. And so then Zach has to write it for Arlstein. Some things that I thought were, you know, they choose, like, the biggest monsters, I guess, and they were like, um, and I know we're going to talk about monsters in a second. Um, the only thing that genuinely gen- genuinely scares me in life is praying mant- a praying mantis, and there's a giant praying mantis. That- I love. I absolutely love that. That's one of the choices. Shocker and Shock Street is one of my favorite books of the entire series, and I love that cover. And I love that there was a huge praying mantis. It's genius. It bugs my bug a little bit that they never actually say it's the praying mantis from Shocker and Shock Street. In fact, R.L. Stein slash Jack Shock- Black has a line. He's like, I don't remember writing about a giant praying mantis, and then like the praying mantis like you know smashes the car and he goes, Oh yeah, now I remember. No, the praying mantis spits like a gob of stuff on. The oh windshield. yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like now I remember because oh, if you remember the praying mantis, yeah, that's true. They Spit also one of the acid. one of the the monsters is the invisible boy, which I think is supposed to be from my best friend is invisible. That's what I thought too always, and then somebody else was like, no, it's let it's let's get invisible. Oh yeah, so then I kind of forgave that a little bit. Because I, because because listeners, the reason why I would say I forgave is because my best friend is invisible. Although that is a Goosen's book, he's actually a uh, 
a ghost, you think. But then it turns out he's an alien. It's a long sort of thing. Yeah, we'll get that in episode 57. Yeah, he's not exactly an an invisible boy. That's why I was like, that's not accurate. But then I thought, oh, well, obviously, let's get invisible. There's, like, the killer reflections. Okay, I didn't think about that. Okay, cool. I I would like to think it's Lefty or something. Yeah, I like that. And there's also a really frightening sequence um, with the werewolf of fever swamp will Blake in a grocery store. And I think some, some of the CGI is a little flop slops around there, but I do think it's genuinely horrifying. And if we go for scares, I think a lot of the scares I, are I there. I think it's scary too. I, I wish we saw less of him. Like I wish there was more like mystery. You mean? Yeah. I can like how he has like athletic shorts. I love that and, like, too. His, his tennis his shoes burst feet. through. Yeah. I think that's kind of cool. Well, let's talk about the monsters that we see in the movie. We see, you know, uh, we see a whole lot, apparently, and we see a whole lot very quickly in one big scene that takes place in a field outside of the school where Slappy's sort of wrangling all the monsters. Like, I, re- I feel like I need, when I need this on Blu-ray or DVD, pause. I'm going to pause, gonna pause that it and look and at search that. through. We see Carly Beth skipping with the haunted mask, which I love. Love. Love, 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 love. They, they have a couple monsters that aren't from the main Goosebumps series, which I think... It, you know, doesn't excite me too much as a as a mega fan, but Fifi the vampire dog from Please Don't Feed the Vampire. Now, Daniel and I aren't super well versed in the Give Yourself Goosebumps books. For for some reason I always think I always think of them as less than because they weren't actually written by R.L. Stein. Weren't they though? Were they though? Ghosts of Fear Street were not written by R.L. Stein, but I do think Give Yourself Goosebumps were written by R.L. Stein. Maybe my brain just decided that. Well, I think some of the covers weren't done by T. Jacobus, and so I think that it it seem, makes it less seem less legitimate. And also, it always frustrated me because I wanted to read the entire book. I didn't want to like choose an adventure that me only too. had me read a few pages. So Fifi the uh, Vampire Dog is from Please Don't Feed the Vampire, who's very scary, and. Um, uh, during the Q&A, they were asking, uh, someone asked, or what they oh, asked, was something yes. too scary? And for the UK version, the UK edit of the film, the UK powers that be thought that Fifi the Vampire Poodle was, was too, too scary. scary. So they had to cut a couple frames. Like, and so the bu- UK version has less Fifi in it. Yeah, Rob Letterman said they cut three frames of Fifi and then sent it over to them to hope they would notice that it was barely different. But they're like, okay. Violence is okay, but not a tiny little dog vampire. Yeah. It, some other monsters that we see, there's a, I'm 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 po- pointing out the sort of the the odd ones I think, but we saw see a little toy robot with lasers, which is the Annihilator 3000, which is from another Give Yourselves Goosebumps book, Toy Terror Batteries included. We see another Give Yourselves Goosebumps character, Cronby, who is I, I don't know that a one. troll from Deep in the Jungle. He was also of Doom. the premiere. He was like, Cronby's here, and I was like, who's Cronby? I don't know. I think it's just like a troll. Deep in the jungle doom. There's graveyard ghouls, which is a loose sort of ter- term for. They also had like um, for zombies, um, which is call- from attack, which is from Attack of the Graveyard Ghouls, which is a Goosebumps series 2000 book. What do you call those fucking plants that like Venus flytrappy yes. plants? They there's they kind of take over part of the movie. They're all what, over the movie a little bit. What is that from? I don't know. I think they think maybe stay out of the basement viney kind of stuff. It's kind of ambiguous. Um, yeah, there are a lot of killer plants, and I get that. And then there's quote, kind of like I beetles get, flying at one point. I get that quote, you know, that stay out of the basement is about killer plants, I guess. Yeah. But they don't – I didn't know exactly what the plants are from. No. You know what? Once, and yeah, where I, and I think they had bees. Beetles. Was it bees? Which I think is supposed to be from Why I'm Afraid of Bees. They didn't look like bees to me. 
look like beetles. They look like big fat bees. To anyway, me. I don't know. They also feature Murder the Clown a few times, which is a character that R.L. Stein has created in the last several years. I do get the feeling, no offense, anyone or any anybody, but I get the feeling that the Scholastic or whoever was like, we want a clown in the movie, so write a couple clown books so we can have a clown in the movie because that's how recently R.L. Stein has written those. It's been in the last yes. year and a half. Mm, I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel. Count, count, uh, count Nightwing is in the movie as well. You bear, blink, blink and you'll miss him from Vampire Breath. The big, the pumpkins from Attack of the Jack-O-Lanterns, although they don't look like they're, they're described in the book by they're any means. They're super, super tall, but I'll take it anyway. I'll take it to the scare, Scarecrows from Scarecrow Walks at Midnight. Terrifying. There's also the Bog Monster, which I think they think is supposed to be the Mud Monster you from know, Muddy Just yesterday I was in uh, a grocery store looking at Goosebumps books. They had, they had like Goosebumps movie adaptation books with like a bunch of pictures. Blessed. I know. And they had a picture of the Bog Monster and it said Mud Monster from You Can't Scare Me. Oh. So I think that's what they think. But again, not well, as like the press kit thing we got said Bog Monster. It did. The um, press kit was wrong. One though. thing that I thought was really cool that I didn't notice in the movie, but I remember seeing when Googling images of it is a creep. Yes. It's like kind of like a I pink, love the creep. A pink shark tooth. Uh, dinosaur in a hoodie from Calling All Creeps. One of my, I absolutely love that. I can't wait to get to Calling All Creeps. I think that one is so, so fun. So there are the aliens. Matthew and I were trying to figure out they're the aliens with the freeze rays that have a big part in the movie. We don't know what book that's from. We thought it was from Invasion of the Body Squeezers. I swear number that's what the press things. Four and five. Uh, yeah, I think it did from but Goosebumps Two Thousand. They don't have freeze rays in that. They don't have freeze rays. It was they would hug and squeeze their victims, and that's why they're Invasion of the Body so Squeezers. I don't know what that's from. If anyone who's listening to this and has made it this far into the episode and has any idea what we're talking about and know knows where aliens with freeze rays come please from please email us we have our new email address welcome well, to deadcast at gmail.com please, please we want to know please we really 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 want to know please please so so those are just a couple of the monsters that i thought were worth noting the last one i want to well i want to talk about two more but the last one i want to talk about is the blob the very end of the movie the blob that ate everyone comes out yes and I, you know the problem I have with it. Yeah, I, the same problem I have with it. I love that they have the blob, and I think the special effects are actually really good. Yeah, but as you, as everyone knows, the blob that everyone has a big mouth and like a face with a long tongue, and this blob is treated more like monster blood. It is. It's and it, I wish it's see through like big purple jelly. I wish it were monster blood. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I wish it were just monster. It blood. is suspicious to me why it's not in there because it seems like such an obvious thing for Goosebumps fans and Goosebumps movies. Have. But I guess we'll just have to let it go. Sure. And then the last sort of monster that I want to talk about is my one of my favorite parts of the entire movie. I may have already mentioned this, but my, of the entire movie that it's Hannah who yeah. is the ghost next door. Now, when 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 the movie started, and I was like, "Oh, the girl next door, her name's Hannah." I was like, "Oh, cool. That's like a little shout out to the ghost next door." But I didn't re- ever realize that she was a ghost. I thought that was such a genius twist, and it brought tears to my eyes, and I loved it. So, Same. So, basically, the movie ends with, they end up, Zach writes the book. They get all the monsters back into the, that well, one book. And, of course, as as is with every Goosebumps story and Goosebumps you know, thing, there is a twist at the end, which I, I personally don't want to say, but just in case there's someone who's listening to this who we want to leave just a little something for them to be surprised by. But there is a twist at the end. Okay. 
I know you want to talk about it, Daniel. I do because Rob Letterman said some things about it. So, spoiler alert. <laughs> it ends with the invisible boy typing on the typewriter that's now back in its glass case. And it says, Revenge of the Invisible Boy. And then hands appear on the glass. And then it's the most amazing ending credits of any movie you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely gorgeous. Never stop crying. I want to bring that up because, yay, I love that it ends on a twist. And we during the, one of the Q&As... Uh, there was a. I love that Rob Letterman brought up that final twist and was commenting on how ridiculous it is. And he said, "Yes, I know." There's the the twist ending of the movie. And then Rob himself said, "Please don't ask if the Invisible Boy was inside or outside of the glass case and how he didn't get sucked inside of the book at the very end of the movie." Okay, thanks. <laughs> and I thought it was funny that he acknowledged that. There was another really re- fun twist at the end of the book. Uh, I'm sorry, at the end of the movie that. Um, uh, that I forget who told this story over the, I think Jack Black might've said it, but they had Arl Stein on set for one day, day and they, they didn't know, know which day it was going to be. And the day, the day he was on set was, was one of the final scenes of the movie where it's in the high school after everything is over. And Arl Stein and people cheered and clapped and went wild for it when he walked across the screen, but he walks across the screen and this is an idea that Jack Black had in it hair was and all makeup, Jack Black. And this is what they decided to do where R.L. Stein himself walks by and goes, hello, Mr. Stein. And then, and then Jack Black goes, hello, Mr. Black. And then they keep walking. And Mr. Black, played by R.L. Stein, is the new drama teacher. Hilarious. I, I love that R.L. Stein is now the English teacher and says there's three parts of every good story. The beginning, the middle, and, and the, the twist. twist. That's so oh, sweet. Oh, it's so good. So quick questions. Yeah. What, uh, what didn't you like about the movie? What I didn't like about the movie is... Um, um, it seemed it was more uh, about family. This might be Rosario It's more emotional and sentimental that that I care for it to be. I don't. That's not what Goosebumps books are to me. I do understand this takes place in the world where Goosebumps are a thing. So we're not actually watching a movie about a Goosebumps book. So I forgive it a little bit. But I I didn't need all of that. But I understand it's a Hollywood movie. And also I think some of the monster choices and that stuff. It, it, sometimes to me it's like we, they just looked at the covers like which ones are the biggest yeah let's choose the, there's a praying mantis so let's choose that you know some of it seems a little haphazard um, but I think that's those are my negatives what I didn't like the is uh, I thought some of the mo- this is me being the nerd of all nerds but I thought some of the monsters were inaccurate yeah for sure that's what I didn't like now what did you like what did you love what I was mean, your favorite part the, as I've said before the, my favorite part were the closing and opening credits because it's just way too good to be true and the more I see it the more I, I deeply deeply love it having Danny Elfman do the music is, is way too good to be true yes and it's actually um uh, a genuinely on its own, a really funny, good, scary movie. I agree. You know what I mean? Like that's, it was a total blast. What was your favorite part? Did I say what you asked? Did you tell me what your favorite part? Like one part, what's your favorite part? That are not the closing credits, the opening credits. Does that count? You can say that. Um, besides that, I, I, even though it doesn't seem necessarily goosebumpsy to me, the Ferris wheel scene with Hannah and Zach was chock full of magic. Yes. What about you? I really liked, the lawn gnomes, and I think, yes, I think up until basically, I like the beginning of the monsters escaping because yeah. it's so exciting, yeah, and you can feel the tingle. And you, I love sort of the 
serial nature almost of dealing with each character. Yeah. Like each monster, like first it's the, the, the snowman, then it's the, the law gnomes, the law then gnomes, it's the praying mantis, then it's the praying mantis. The I love that sort. I love that feeling. But my favorite part of the movie was the ghost next door twist. Yeah. It really, it, that was really I really good. didn't see it coming and it really gave me the big tingle. It gave, it, it did for me too. You know, I understand that it's a PG family movie, but I wish she'd stayed dead at the end. You know what I mean? Like sure. I wish she hadn't come back. I get it. I, to- I totally understand. So you give grades to our, the books. What grade do you give the movie? I think I would give it a B or a B plus. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I would give it. Um, you got to wake up pretty early in the morning and 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 give me something good to eat. If I'm gonna give you an A minus, um, so I would say I would say the first time I saw it a B, the second time I saw it a B plus. So maybe next time's an A minus. Maybe. What do you think? I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. Completely. Uh, I am so excited to see it again, and I think the movie... It's a good B movie. (laughs) Let's keep it at that. I just love it so much, and I can't wait to see it again, and I'm so happy that it's a thing that exists, and it's out there, and we got to participate. Please go see it, because I want a horror at Camp Jelly Jam sequel. Yeah, please go see it. I hope it does really, really well. I can't imagine that it won't. I want it to so badly. I want sequel after sequel, and I just want to watch this every Halloween and every, every night for the rest of my life. Well, thank you guys so much for listening and for your feedback. And it was cool to meet some of you um, at at the event, these events. And hopefully, we have some new listeners because of that. You can reach us at our new email address, which is welcome to deadcast at gmail.com. Send us questions, thoughts. I don't know, anything. Nudes, anything. Just say hey. Or you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is DannyMac769. We will be po- I've posted and will continue to post behind-the-scenes pictures and video and, and all kinds of stuff from this past weekend. I will, too. And um, uh, we will continue with our regu- regu- regularly scheduled uh, Welcome to Deadcast episodes with Deep Trouble coming up. Yeah, Deep up Trouble's coming up really soon. really, really good one. And we're about to hit a real sweet spot in Goosebumps books coming up because we've got some real great ones, some real killer ones. The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight, Go Eat Worms, Ghost Speech. It's going to be really, really good. Ugh, Phantom of the Auditorium. Oh, it's so good. So go out and see the movie again if you haven't seen it already. Um, I know we're going to do the same, um, and I just feel like supernaturally blessed to be living in a world where there's a Goosebumps movie. It's just the best time to be a Thank you to everybody fan. at Sony, and specifically Stacy and Deborah Forte for giving us the most magical weekend of our entire lives. Our entire lives. Entire afterlives. We'll never, never, never get over it. Oh, man. I'm going oh. to go sink into my gin-soaked watery grave. Yeah, that sounds like that's the same thing I'm going to do. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening, and join us next time. If, if you dare. dare. The film, my God, it's so funny, scary, and just the right amounts thrilling. The acting is superb, not just Jack Black. Those kids, Dylan Minnette, Odea Rush, Ryan Lee, fantastic performances. A love story. I really got emotionally involved in the characters. I may have shed a tear. You'll never know. I'll never tell.